we've got a free week and throughout the year of Audacious Church in terms of our teaching and, uh, and what we preach over a year, we look at uh, the content, the menu and make sure we've got, uh, as a church, we're all walking through a balanced diet of, you know, taking our time just to walk through a book of the Bible, um, you know, as we do. And then there's some thematic, you know, series and uh, there's different things. And then scattered throughout the year, we have a few weeks that we just say, that's just going to be free. We've got no agenda other than what the preacher wants to bring that week. Um, and, uh, and just really pray into the campuses where they're at. And what we feel is, is, uh, is right for the season. And so, um, you know, everything is laced with God and is anointing for what God wants to speak to. But these weeks are just a little bit special in that we, we just get to pause for a minute and go, right, what do we want to say? What does God want to say in the here and now? And so it's great to be with you. I've been praying about Chester this week specifically. What does God want to release in our campus here in Chester? And so I really believe the word today is going to make a difference if we've got ears and hearts to receive the word from God and also the courage to apply it. And we're going to start the process of applying the Word at the end of today, this service. So is everyone in? Yeah. Everyone in? Yeah. Amazing. Then, then we'll do it. As long as it lines up with Scripture, then we'll do it. Okay? Em's in Geneva today. Our Geneva campus is going strong. A few weeks into back into weekly services in the hotel and seeing God do amazing things. And now fully translated services from start to finish, which is amazing. Duolingo has been helping some people. All right, we're going to start with Joel chapter 2, verse 28 and 29. It says this, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Everyone say, all people. Say it louder and like you mean it, all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, in the last days. What we're living in right now is the last days. The last days are not defined by what you might see on the news. The last days are not defined by what you might think about or, or not think about an injection. The last days are defined by the church era, which is as soon as Jesus was ascended back to heaven and left us with the Holy Spirit, that initiated the church days, which are the last days. And so we've been living in the last days for the last 2,000 years. And so logic would tell us that these are the last of the last days, because we're nearer now than we were 2,000 years ago. And so when the Bible's speaking here about in the last days I'll pour out my spirit, Joel was prophesying hundreds of years before the Holy Spirit came that in the church age I'm going to pour out my spirit and all people are going to prophesy. And we're going to speak about prophecy today and the power of the prophetic voice and also the significance about every single one of us accessing the gifts of the Spirit and how we can apply them and what difference they make in the church. If you're to think about what Joel was saying, Joel was saying dot, 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 to be continued. We've all got to the end of a, a series on Netflix or an episode on Netflix, right? You see the countdown, five, four, and you know what's coming next. 
The next episode's coming. And unless you apply your self-discipline in those few seconds, it's all over. Because once it starts, like the mastermind host, what was his name years ago? Magnus Magnuson, how could I forget? I've started, so we'll finish. And uh, you know, it's, it's relentless. In the movies, they used to just have to put the end to be continued. And today I want to speak about that, those few words that make all the difference for us here in 2022, to be continued. Because the temptation can be, and if you've seen Back to the Future 3, all the old people, you'll know you never watch Back to the Future 3 again because it is shocking. And it ruins Back to the Future 1. But the temptation is, like Top Gun, none of you are going to go and watch Top Gun except your kids, if they're over 12. Because you saw Top Gun 1 at the time if you were over 15. And you know how good it was. And so you might ruin it with an updated version. And we can live spiritually like that. We can either think that the gifts of the Spirit and the Holy Spirit's working was just restricted to the Bible. And we can never attain to that amount of godliness, spirituality, miracles. And so it's safer to leave the miracles in the Bible and not believe for them today. Or even within this short span of the few years we get on the planet, we can look back at previous times and seasons in our life and say, they were my golden time of seeing the Spirit of God move. And so even now you can be sat here and either you just relegate the Holy Spirit to your past, you can relegate what God wants to do to your past, and now you're on the downslope, or even... And there's some good truth in this, but you just go, oh, it's the next generation's go. I want to say if you've got breath in your lungs, the Holy Spirit is not finished with you yet. And from the youngest to the oldest, every single person, God wants to use to build His church. And if this is your church, He wants to use your gifts and talents to build this church as we believe together to make a huge difference in Chester, into North Wales, Cheshire, the Wirral, this whole region. God wants to use us. I want you to think about your life and to say, come on, over your life, I'm going to prophesy, to be continued. We're going to continue to see God using us. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 17, uh, Paul spoke about what Joel had prophesied. And he prophesied again using the same words that hundreds of years ago had been written. And he says, we're believing now the Spirit of God. He promised and now is fulfilling that every single person, male, female, servant, owner, uh, young, old, every single one of us is going to flow in the gifts of the Spirit. Every one of us is going to prophesy. And it didn't stop in the book of Acts. Justin Martyr, some of the church fathers in 150 AD said the prophetic gifts remain with us. So this is after all the apostles have died. The church fathers recognize the gifts of the Spirit. Arrhenius in 200 AD said many of the brethren have foreknowledge of the future, visions, prophetic utterance, others by the laying on of hands heal the sick and restore them to health. 
This is 200 years after the Holy Spirit's given. 400 years later, Augustine records 70 instances of divine healing in a two-year period. And then 1900 years later, Spurgeon, in his autobiography, records instances where he spoke from the Spirit of God in his own words. And people would say, this guy's been reading my mail. How does he know what's been going on in my life? And so all through church history, we see the gifts of the Spirit and the prophetic moving. And so we have to make a decision now in our generation, the prophetic to be continued. We're going to continue to move in the gifts of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 14, if you've got your Bibles, it's important to turn there today and read this. This week, look at it. But 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1 to 6, it says, follow the way of love. Uh, another version says, pursue the way of love, pursue it. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. We should be passionately pursuing the gifts of the Spirit in the context of love. And it says this, especially prophecy. So Paul here, having already spoken about the gifts of the Spirit, is elevating prophecy to be the primary gift of the Spirit. And so he's saying you should eagerly desire the gifts, but especially to prophesy. For anyone who speaks in tongues does not speak to people, but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. But the one who prophesies speaks to people. And here's what it's for, for their strengthening, for their encouraging, and for their comfort. Remember that, for their strengthening or upbuilding, their encouraging and their consolation or their comfort. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves. That's what the, gifts, the gift of tongues is. It edifies yourself so that you, could, you should continually speak in tongues to edify yourself. Uh, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. So when we gather together, we're going to talk about it in a moment, but we should come with a word for somebody else. Anyone who speaks in a tongue, uh, sorry, verse 5, I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so the church may be edified. This is powerful, isn't it? Gifts of the Spirit and the importance of, of, of the, the gift of prophecy. I want to speak now because Paul also uh, distinguishes between the gift of prophet in Ephesians 4. There is an ascension gift prophet in a church context, usually on a, a church team, or if not found in a church leadership, then they're part of the church oversight. There would be a gift of prophet. Pastor Soph is a prophet. We would believe in our context. And she, when she speaks, she declares something. And often in our context, it makes sense six months later. She might say something in a meeting and we're like, what are you, what are you talking about? And then six months later, we're like, remember what Pastor Soph said in that meeting? 
And so you understand through years and relationship and things coming to pass that you can identify a gift of prophet. But the Bible also says we may not all be a capital P prophet. We may not all be a capital P pastor, but who, who uh, you know, equips others to do the same. But every single one of us can prophesy. Every single one of us can prophesy, as every one of us can pastor people. We can love and disciple people. Every one of us can evangelize. We can speak to people about who Jesus is, even though we may not be gifted to equip the church to evangelize. And so I want us to understand what prophecy is. You may be here for the first time, and even these words are like, what, what are you saying? In simple terms, prophecy is sharing a message that you believe God has spoken to you and you give it to someone else. You're almost like the postman. And so you you receive a message that you believe is from God and then you humbly distribute that message to the person that you feel God has given that message for. That's what prophecy is. And so every one of us is called to be a postman in that context. Uh, here's what prophecy is not. Prophecy is not fortune telling. We were, we were having Chinese the other night. And what comes with the, with the Chinese meal is what fortune cookies. And we were joking around, messing around. And I was saying, right, Lee, I'm, I'm praying over these fortune cookies. You know, and this is a message direct from from God to you. He opened the, the fortune cookie. I can't remember what yours said. It was something about a blessed year ahead. And we said, amen. <laughs> you know, but, but prophecy is not, not you having to have an accurate picture of somebody's future and then telling them. Nor is it you thinking that you are the highest authority in someone's life and you directing the course of somebody's life. That's not what prophecy is. Prophecy is also not cryptic. Paul said, uh, you know, speaking in tongues is good and I want you all to speak in tongues, but that edifies yourself. What I want you to do is prophesy because that makes sense to people. Hello? So prophecy is not saying, you know, I saw a gate and behind the gate there was a goat. But don't think about the goat. Think about what the goat represents. Because the goat sometimes has long hair, sometimes has short hair. And what I felt that God was saying, you have a distant cousin. You don't know them yet. But once upon a time they bought a wamba and they were supposed to buy a chomp. And you're like, what on earth are you saying? That's not what prophecy is, okay? Prophecy makes sense. The third thing prophecy, someone's like, that was actually a word for me in Jesus' name. Should have bought the charm every time. The, the third thing prophecy is not, is it's not new revelation. Your prophecy is not as good as the Bible. We don't say, right, you've got the Bible, but what is equally important is the word I gave you. And so we, we don't bring any new revelation of who God is. God has shown us everything about who he is through the word of God and the living word, which was Jesus Christ. There's no new revelation coming. There's only stuff that, 
that describes, that um, helps us to understand the already given word to us. So don't think your prophecy has to be about people's future. It has to be, you know, scratching your beard and coming up with weird language. Nor does it have to be, uh, nor does it have to be so authoritative that if people don't do it, then they're outside the will of God. No, revel- uh, prophecy is none of those things. Here's what it is. And the definition is in verse 3 of 1 Corinthians chapter 14. The first thing it's for is upbuilding. I think in this version it says it's for strengthening. Building up. Building up is talking about putting strength in, putting walls in, putting substance in. If anyone's had building work at your home, you know there's many processes to it. And some of the, none of the processes are more important than another. You might, obviously, Lysandri is, a, is an architect. And I would guess that they would spend equal amount of time planning that they do building. Would that be roughly true? And so there's certain words that when you prophesy, they're actually not about necessarily putting walls and things that you can see in people's lives, but it's preparation for what's to come. And so building is about strengthening, putting foundations in And the Bible describes prophecy like that, that it should build somebody's life. The first thing is, is it builds up. 1 Corinthians 14, 26. What then shall we say, brothers and sisters, when you come together, each of you has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue or an interpretation. Everything must be done so the church may be built up. So any word that you bring should build up. It should strengthen It should give foundation. It should be solid. It it might not necessarily, you know, create a massive difference in someone's life. But what you've done is just put another brick in the wall. Building takes time. It takes substance. And it takes multiple processes. What we're doing when we're gathering is we're we're not putting up a, you know, an inflatable tent that, you know, you know, a few months, a few days later falls over. What we're doing is building brick by brick, precept by precept, word on word. And so the prophecy, the word, the message that you have to deliver to someone else in this room is just another brick. It just helps to build up their life. Ephesians 2.22, in him you two are being built, we're being built together to, to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. 1 Peter 2:5 you like living stones are being built into a spiritual house. So our prophecy, our message to someone else is always about building up, build up. The second thing prophecy is is to cheer up. To cheer up. The word it says in 1 Corinthians 14 verse 3 it says it is to bring comfort or consolation. So your word should cheer people up. They should feel better after hearing your word than they did before. Your word should not feel, make someone feel condemned, judged. Your word should not make feel, someone feel worse about their life. Prophecy in the New Testament is first about building up and secondly about cheering up. The context of prophecy and the gifts of the Spirit sandwiched right in the middle of 1 Corinthians 12 Uh, which is the spiritual gifts, 
And 1 Corinthians 14, this emphasis is prophecy, is the great famous chapter on what? Love. 1 Corinthians 13. It's no accident that that's the way the inspiration of God through the writers, his writing, under inspiration from God. He wrote about the spiritual gifts and then wrote flowing out of that about the, the importance of love being the most important thing. And then out of that prophecy. because And then in 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1, he says, Pursue love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit are always in context of love. So any word that's being given, you want to be sure is from someone whose heart is right and they love you. If my kids give me any gift, what's not important is the gift. What's important is that they gave something to me. They thought about it. It can be a scrumpled up card for Father's Day that they'll probably write on Tuesday at school. It'll be in their bag for the rest of the week. And next Sunday they'll think, oh no, I'm sure I've got something somewhere. But it'll be scrunched up, scrumbled up. But I'll be like, because it's from them, I love that gift. I'll treasure that gift because I understand it comes from somebody who I love and they love me. And so when we understand that we are committed and planted in the house of God, we understand when we meet together, every one of us' motivation is to love, to build up. Then our words will naturally cheer up. Because their emphasis and their motivation is a heart of love. It's the fuel for every one of your words. The third and last thing is simply this. Prophecy, message, your message to others from God is to build up, to cheer up. And the third thing is it's to stir up. The third word in verse 3 it says is for your encouraging. An encouragement in the Bible is followed by an action. It's a, it's a stirring to do something with what you've heard. And our, prof, our words of, of prophecy, when we just take that time to say, God, what, what do you have that you want to speak to someone about? And you want to use me. You want to use me. You're saying this word is going to build them up. They're going to feel better about it. It's going to cheer them up. And thirdly, it's going to stir them up. They're going to walk away from that moment thinking, come on, I can go again. I can do something new. I can step out in faith because our words should stir people up. To stir means to rouse from inactivity, quiet, contentment, indifference, and to stir up potential. Every single one of us is full of potential. Whatever age we are, because God's not finished, so we have loads of potential right now. And what God wants to do is He wants to remind us that we're called to outwork our potential. That our potential energy should become kinetic energy, movement energy. Many of you know the story about my green Austin Metro as a student. It required to be parked to the top of a hill every night because the ignition was slightly faulty. And so I would have to do a, uh, what was the guy, you know, um, Flintstones, Freddie Flintstone. And I'd have to like give it a, get down the hill and then hope that the engine would kick in. It needed just a little bit of encouragement to get going. But once it was going, oh, it, was, it was happy. I could get where I needed to, where, where I needed to go. 
But firstly, it just needed a little bit of something just to go, come on. And sometimes our prophetic word to somebody else is all it takes is just that little kickstart of momentum because the Spirit of God is in them and they're ready to do great exploits. But maybe something's happened. They've just been disappointed or disillusioned or thought that God's finished with them or whatever. But your word stirred them up. It stirred them up to get out of their inactivity or contentment or disappointment. 2 Timothy 1.6 says, Fan into flame the gift of God that was given to you through the laying on of hands. Every one of us is called to exercise the gifts of the Spirit. Every single one of us is called to outwork the fruit of the Spirit because the, the, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, is to be continued. The fruit of the Spirit is not relegated to a book, to that set of apostles, but the Holy Spirit is for us in this age to use, to live out, to outwork, and to make a difference to one another. And God is calling every one of us to be messengers for Him, just to bring a word that the Bible word is prophecy, to share something that encourages, to share something that builds up, cheers up, and stirs up. Thank you, Lee. Builds up, cheers up, stirs up. All it's going to take is a moment like this moment we're going to have right now, just to worship God and then to tune our ear in. Say, God, what is it that you'd have me say? And then secondly, who is it that you, that message is for? Who needs that word of encouragement? Remember what prophetic is not. It's not fortune telling. It's not as the Word of God. We don't put it alongside the authority of the Word of God. And so that teaches us that when we bring the prophetic, we should both speak humbly and listen humbly. We should speak humbly. In our church, we would never get up on stage and say, God says this, therefore you must. We would never say that. Because we believe the Spirit of God uses frail people And what he's doing is we believe God has given us a message and we share what we believe is God's message. But what changed 400 years ago, the church fathers, is we understand that now there is a a priesthood of all believers. Your access to God is not defined by my relationship with God, Lee and Lysandra's relationship with God. You don't need a Pope. You don't need the senior pastor. You can have full access to a relationship with God. Our role is to equip you for works of service. And we're going to do everything within our power to ensure that what we preach and teach is going to be helpful for you on that journey to build you up, to cheer you up, cheer you up and to stir you up. But we don't define your relationship with God. And so when we share, we're going to share humbly. That we believe that God has spoken to us and that we're going to share it that way. So when you go to someone, take the pressure off yourself. And you can start as a junior. Maybe you've never shared a message. And you can go up to someone. You can say, I, I believe that God's spoken to me. And this might be encouraging to you. Or this might be helpful for you. But I just believe. And you share it that way. And also we understand that we listen humbly. 
We understand that we're all on a journey and church is a safe, safe place for us to be prophetic. And so if someone comes to you and they bring a prophetic message, the Bible instructs all of us to test the message. That doesn't mean like sit down and examine it and go, oh, that's terrible. That's, you're a false prophet. No, because most prophecy that's maybe a little off is not because the person's bad. It's just because we're all learning. We're learning to hear. And so give people grace. Just say, thank you for the word. And you can just chew it over the next few weeks and some of it will make no difference and others of it might be real, really illuminating for you. But this is the environment, audacious church, we want for prophecy. Every Sunday you can come. You don't need a platform to prophesy. You've got a foyer, you've got, you've got each other, you, you've got text, you've got phone, you've got small groups. All of these things, this is where prophecy happens. And so it requires all of us. Maybe every week we can just go, God, just give me something for someone so that I can contribute in the house of God. And maybe when you're in the foyer, like something just stirs. You're like, oh, I just got a verse that, that just thought maybe that's for someone. And then you look around and go, who is that word for? And it's as simple as that. You can deliver it humbly, pray for them and walk away. And they'll test it in their own time and see if it makes any difference. But what we're going to do right now, we're going to have a few moments. We're going to invite Holy Spirit has been here, but we're just going to say, we want to tune into you. want to hear you. And then what I'm going to dare you to do is as we're just allowing the band to play, we're just going to either to the person you're with or you're going to find someone. And you're just going to share humbly because I believe God is able to speak to every single one of us in this moment right now. Sorry, I don't know. Um, it, was, it was, I met you just right at the start of the service, but I don't remember your name. Yeah, Kevin, Kevin. I believe that in Haggai chapter 2, there's a passage where the Bible is talking about the house of God. And it talks about the former and the latter house. And the Bible tells us that the people were a little bit disappointed because the latter house was built and it looked less significant than what they'd remembered the former house. But God declares over the latter house and He says, what you see in the physical may feel a disappointment, but He says the latter house will be greater glory than the former house. And in this house, I will grant my peace. And when I met you earlier and then that verse just came to mind and I thought God is going to do something in the next that's greater than the previous. And God just wants to grant peace for your future. You don't need to worry or strive. He's going to grant you peace. God, I just pray that God would grant you peace. He would allow that word to sit, do what it needs to do. And I pray for your future that you would look back in hindsight and go, wow, God, you did something greater in my latter years than you did in my former years. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, amen. So I don't know what, whether that's going to make a difference. I believe as in full conscience that was a word that God spoke to me. And I've just shared it simply, humbly. It may or may not make a difference. But that's the prophetic. I've done what I feel like was my responsibility to bring that word. And that once you've done that, you can go, okay, I've done what I felt like God called me to do. And God can do the same. Everyone stand to your feet for a moment. Holy Spirit, move in this place. We invite you now. We tune our ears in to hear what you want to say to us. 
We also tune our ears in to hear what you want to say through us. God, that we recognise that when we gather, these moments are significant. Your Word consistently teaches when we gather, something happens that doesn't happen when we're on our own. And so we're ready. We're ready. And we believe you want to do something important today, something significant today. And we're honoured, God, that you would want to and choose to use us. You call us your body, your hands and your feet. And today we can be a messenger. We can confirm your word to somebody else. Thank you, God, that pressure is off, that you call each one of us to prophesy. Your desire is each one of us has prophesied. Right now, as we've heard, been taught about the prophetic, we want to pursue love. That's our motive. And we eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. Would you use us right now to be an encouragement to somebody else? Speak now in Jesus' name. Come on, every one of you, I want you really to tune in. Don't stress, strive, strain, but just lightly, just have your hands out, just physical representation that you're submitting yourself to God. Listen to what Holy Spirit wants to say to you. someone, I want you to think, who's that word for now? And it may be the person you stood with. It may be someone that you just know is going to be in this service, or you may just have a look around and just say, okay, God, just show me in this moment who that word is for. Let's give you a few moments. God, you can use us. We believe, God, that you're speaking. And we believe, God, that in this environment where each one of us is sensitive to the Holy Spirit, in this environment where each one of us is listening and tuning our ear and our spirit in to what you're saying, God, we know you do something. You sit down in these moments. You speak in these moments. But it requires some courage from us. God's not going to move your mouth. He's not going to move your feet. That's the courage bit for us to do. But as you do that, and you may even move in this moment or go to someone, I'm going to pray with you. And you may still be like, I don't know. I don't know if I've solidly got something. But as you step out, you watch how God begins to use you. I want to encourage you when you do, just put your hand on the shoulder of the other person if they're comfortable with that. Ask them. And then just start to pray for them. 
and just incorporate the word you've got into your prayer. And you're just humbly giving it and pray for them. And then you can, you've done what you feel like is obedience to God. So you can move if you need to move or stand with the person you stood, stood with. But who that word you feel is for, maybe just go and find them. And if you've not, I want you to pray with your neighbour. So everyone's praying with someone. You can just do that right now, right now.